Welcome to another episode of the Luke Humphrey Running Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Humphrey, and our mission is to help you maximize your training through a blend of science and practicability. So let's get going. All right. Hey, guys, it's Luke, and I'm back for another week. I almost missed this week, too, but we got it in. Today, I want to talk about data. You probably have seen this article. Uh, it was from Ambie Burfoot last week in Podium Runner. And uh, uh, I was really intrigued to look at it. It was it was labeled something, titled something like uh, uh, Big Data Perspective Look at How Recreational Runners Train. Something to that effect. But it was really interesting. Uh, I wanted to take a look at it, but I also was curious uh, to see where to see what it is because I'm interested. You know, honestly, you know, work with runners of all levels, but. Uh, you know, recreational runners is really the the primary uh, group of people we work with, right? So the people who are on the verge of qualifying for Boston or Boston qualifiers, but you know, we're not talking about age group winners necessarily, but we're just talking about people who want to learn how to train, train hard, qualify for Boston, have specific goals they want to meet, and uh, we're happy to help them. But the more you understand that group, the better you're going to be able. To serve them, so you know, and then somebody asked me about uh, uh, my thoughts on it, how it compared to Hansen's marathon method. Uh, so I thought, you know, it'd be a good win-win for me. I can take a look at this article in, in depth and and go into it for uh, everybody else. So, uh, but before I jump into it, I, I want to kind of set the tone a little bit. So uh, you've probably seen me cite this uh, Outside Magazine article from a couple years ago. But they basically looked at a bunch of Strava data on marathon performance and training. And so, you know, it was interesting, but ultimately I was left wanting more information. Uh, and I, was, I definitely had more questions than when I started it. So um, I, I asked myself basically when I got done with that was just because this is what people do doesn't mean that's what they should. Because you're basically taking what the outcome was of races and then looked back at what they did to, to reach that point. Um, so is that the best way to do it? You know, obviously you're going to get information. Like if you want to run 335, this is what the average 335 marathoner did. So, you know, people took that from what they, from that data. Um, but it's, but is it really what they should be doing? And that's really where I'm, I'm left at. Um, and honestly, that's my responsibility, right? As a coach, as, as somebody who's putting information out into the public, uh, that's my job to explain that, look at it and, and, uh, and really get that information out. So I'm um, happy to do so. Um, I personally feel like, so you know, just looking at my notes here, I, you know, looking at, I would like to see um, most runners, you know, that we work with, like I said, you know, take from me, you know, see what I did as a professional, what we've written in the Hanson's Marathon Method books, and, you know, take from that, at least take the ideas of, of how to train from that and be successful in that. And so, because um, I, I honestly believe, I look at recreational runners, when I was doing research for the books, you know, I look, there's data from uh, as early as 1972 up until now on average age of the marathoners, breakdown of gender of marathoners, um, and then t- pay, times per age group, number of finishers. And so you look at 1972, I think it was something like 20,000 people ran a marathon, right? And so, uh, you know, we know that 
obviously more people run that now, right? So, you know, you know, just based on, you know, the average New York City marathon is roughly 50,000 people. And there's, you know, five, marath- five, 10 marathons in the world that are that big. So, um, you know, I think it's, you know, we were up to about 600,000 people a year just in the U.S. finishing a marathon. So you put in places who really love running in like Japan and other countries in Europe. I mean, those numbers are going to be through the roof. But um, in the U.S., the cases of running slower is, is declined since the 70s, right? So, um, you know, obviously the 70s, you had your hardcore runners. You just had your generally faster runners. They were younger, um, you know, and it wasn't something that, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, Nancy was doing uh, to raise money for cancer or something like that, right? That wasn't, that just didn't exist then. So now, you have the whole spectrum of the population running marathons. And so you definitely, you'll see a slowing trend. But now, even in the last 10 years, runners have just generally gotten slower. Um, and, and so we have to look at, so that takes me back to just because that's what they're doing, does that mean what that's what they should, right? And so... Uh, I tend to think that recreational runners could do very well if they learned how to train, uh, bought into training and things like that. And I get that some people, they just don't want to do that, right? They just want to run a marathon and be done with it. But I think as, as more and more people are running marathons and then now even moving up to ultra marathons, running you know 50 milers, 100 milers, learning how to train becomes more and more important. So, uh, and I definitely think that the runners in general could get so much faster if they just shifted their mindset on training and put that into practice so um so that's all i want to say about that but uh you know so in the regards to the article mr burfoot gives five main points that uh to what the data suggests people should be doing and i kind of want to address these points one by one and i'd like to give uh what the data shows and then my take on that so but right off the bat though i I, and i'll link i'll link the article in the the show show notes and everything so uh, but i'm left wondering why I should just take his word for it, right? Because he basically says the math is complicated, so they're not going to show us, and we should basically just trust it, right? And so to me, that's that's an invite to automatically not trust it, right? So I would like to have seen more of the reasoning on it, but I, I also get that it's a magazine article, and you're limited to usually four to 600 words, so it's not like you can put a lot of extra stuff in there. You've got to get right, right to the point. But that's also the problem of just reading a magazine article and then trying to base your whole training off of it too right because there's as as the saying goes there's more to the story so um, a lot of times you're just getting snippets out of that so uh, but anyway so point number one is training more even at a slower pace makes you faster and i will say that i agree a hundred percent with this and easy to moderate running is the basis of if our programs and it's not junk miles and honestly anyone who tells you that is junk miles doesn't understand this principle and so easy running is the foundation that your house is built on the better the bigger the foundation the more solid the construction and the bigger the house can be built right so you can't build a mansion on a 400 on a on a 400 square foot basement foundation right you know you're gonna have to go awfully high with that thing but um you know if you have a 1500 square foot foundation now you're talking right you can put a much bigger house on that um so it really is, and that's where easy running is. You know, it's the foundation to what everything else that you're able to do is going to be built off of. So without that foundation, sure, you can do speed work and you're going to hit that ceiling really quick, 
but that ceiling's gonna be a low ceiling, right? So like it's gonna be like a Michigan basement and you walk downstairs, you hit your head on the rafters, right? And so so that's where that's where you're gonna be peaked out at. But if you have a, a big foundation, nice eight foot ceilings on it, you can go down there and be just fine, right? And you can build an awfully big uh, uh, house on top of that. So I know it's kind of corny with the uh, house, but that's always my go-to uh, analysis of that. But in general, like easy running is going to dictate how much you can run overall and really how much speed work you can overall. Your easy running is going to support the demands of the hard running. All right, so point number two, fast training builds your endurance more effectively than slow training. And so you know, I'm a little frustrated because I don't, he's not really saying what fast training is, um, you know, so I don't know, you know, that, that's, would have been nice to have an actual definition of that in there, but it was not given, but, um, but it's more effective than slow training at building endurance. So I say that it depends. If I'm training for a marathon, is my time going to be more affected by doing small amounts of training that's really fast or bigger volumes of training that includes lots of longer runs at easier paces? So. Uh, you think about that and you let me know what you think. But I would say number, the latter part of that. But I think the problem here is, what I, like I just said, is that endurance isn't defined and fast training isn't defined either. And the truth is that a combination of these two variables would probably be the best and most complete way of doing things. Like we just talked about, easy running being the foundation and then your speed work would be something that would be added on top of that. So that might be the actual roof or something like that. That's what's going to put the finishing touches on it. But um, and in a 5K, yeah, sure, you're gonna you're gonna be able to run um, more speed work, but it's also more race specific, right? So like it, to me, it just really depends on what you're actually talking about. Uh, in terms of the actual Hanson Marathon method philosophy, I would say that the faster training would be the speed that we do in the beginning of the marathon segment before you transition to the strength in the marathon specific work over the second half of the training plan. I believe it's also part of the reasoning behind the three two rule, which is no more than three marathons in two years so that you can work on faster paces. So um, I'd also say this, so you basically have, I really feel like you, you have two types of, uh, of endurance, right? You have a general endurance. So if I say you need to go run 10 miles, you can cover 10 miles, that's general endurance. You can run a set distance. I'm not asking you to do it at a certain pace. I'm just saying cover 10, 10 miles. Now, specific endurance would be like if I said, now I want you to cover 10 miles at seven minutes per mile. Can you do that? That would be specific endurance. Uh, and so that's where I think you get into trouble too because uh, specific endurance is going to be highly uh, necessary for, um, for like the marathon, things like that, where general endurance is really what you're looking at for, you know, your easy runs are just building general endurance for the 5K. But, um, you know, easy running... Uh, supports what you can do at marathon pace when you do marathon tempos, right? So it just, there's different aspects to look at it. So it would have been nice to have more information. So I don't want, because now you're kind of, you know, you feel kind of confused on this, right? So like it's saying that um, training more is good, uh, but then fast training builds your endurance faster. So if they're both good, like, so you kind of, it's kind of counter, to me, it seems counterproductive, but um, the reality is I think it's it's really got to be a combination of everything that's being talked about in here. All right, so point three, elite runners generally don't push as hard as tra- in training as mid-pack and slower runners. So uh, I would say yes, it's a simple percentage game. Uh, if I'm running 100 miles per week, then 
the percentage of fast running is going to be less than if I'm running 50 miles per week. My workouts might be bigger in absolute volume and intensity, but to, from a percentage, percentage standpoint, there's a limit to how much you can do. So if we both do 5K worth of work at 5K pace in a week, then that's 3% for me and 6% uh, for somebody who's doing 50 miles a week, right? So just from that standpoint, yeah, you're gonna be, you know, you're gonna be limited on that. Now, I will say this, when you look at a four plus hour marathoner, there is a big blurring of lines. So the, the biggest, biggest example I see is that a person will go out and run their easy mileage, say four to six miles easy, but the average is faster than their goal marathon time. And this comes back to what we were talking about, the difference between general endurance and specific endurance. They have the, they have the general endurance, but they don't have the specific endurance. And so there's lots of reasons why this might be, but I'm not, I'm not gonna get into it on this, this discussion, but, but usually their training just doesn't match the event. So especially this is true if you're on a low mileage program or if you're running say 30 miles a week and training for a marathon, you don't have any runs that are going to be super big other than your long run. And so the long run, you basically go out there and slog it out for you know, 16, 18, 20 miles, but it's significantly slower than what you wanna run for the marathon, but then you run the rest of the week and all your short runs are probably faster, faster than your uh, goal marathon pace. So there's a lot going into that. All right, so point number four, there's a limit to how far and how hard you can train. And I think that's should be self-explanatory, right? And so, um, but I would say absolutely. So like we all have that limit. It's different for everybody. So I would say when I was younger, not married, no kids, running is running was my job. I could go run 140 to 150 miles a week at my peak for marathon training, but I could also recover from it. You know, that was my job, so it was treated like a job. Um, but I coach CEOs and stay-at-home moms. They train their butts off, but that means they're training 40 to 50 miles per week. They, that's all they have time to do. Um, and so it's, it's individual, right? It, how hard you can train is gonna be dictated by your situation. Uh, my biggest lesson you can learn is that we've already talked about easy days are not your enemy and these when done right will allow you to train harder and be able to run more overall on uh, on a regular basis but I think what you see is we again we get into that popularity of the lower volume fewer days of running and every day becomes every day that we are running becomes basically run as hard as you can and that's the only way we're gonna gain fitness, but you're missing out on so many other things. So uh, point five, adopt a new training pattern for your training. Focus on training weeks, not individual workouts. Uh, alternate your weeks, and they had a schedule of a hard week, hard week, easy week, and moderate week. And if I recall correctly, the easy week was like 55 to 60% of your peak mileage. So say you were running, um, you know, say 50 miles a week, uh, you were going 50, 50 with hard, hard training in there. And then that third week would be scaled, uh, you know, say 40, 45% of that. So you might go all the way down to like 30 miles, 35 miles a week. Uh, and then you basically do no workouts and then you come back and then do a moderate week on the fourth week. Um, yeah. So that's, that's tricky. I've never seen that. And, um, you know, just my thoughts on it. Part number one, I agree 100% though, and then to refresh that is uh, focus on training weeks and not individuals. So I would agree, that is basis of cumulative fatigue. That's what we talk about a lot. Uh, your fitness is not going to come from an individual workout. It's but rather the cumulative 
effects of weeks and months of consistent training. And that's really what cumin fatigue comes down to. Um, so yes, I agree 100% with that. For the second part though, my, my main problem is this, that is basically what the most successful people are doing, but more successful than who? And that's being, that's the only thing we're comparing that is to more successful than the people who trained the least and ran the hardest, right? That's the whole premise of this whole thing. So it wasn't the strategy that would yield the most overall success. It was the strategy that was most successful for the group being looked at. And so it doesn't mean that's the best way to go out and run a 335 marathon. It just means that was more effective than uh, somebody who was running 20 miles a week and just hammering everything. So you don't like it'll work, right? But is it is it really the best way? And so, and I'm not going to say that Hans's marathon method is the best way by any stretch. There's a lot of ways to get the job done, but you just have to be kind of critical of where that data is coming from. They're saying that, but what are they comparing it to? And we have to be reckon we have to cognitive of who that's being compared to. And it's from basically a group who is not doing really anything. <laughs> they were just going out and running and hoping for the best, basically. All right, so secondly, my question is this. Was that rotation out of necessity? How many people who ran hard for two weeks were forced to take that third week incredibly easy so that they could recover enough to get into a little bit harder fourth week of a moderate intensity? So again, I have a lot. I have some questions that I'd like to be, answer, be answered, but... Uh, I recognize that that's probably not going to happen, but all right. So to wrap up, the whole caveat to this thing is at the very end, and, and that's where I really kind of, I read this and I was writing this at the same time, and then I got to this and I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So to wrap up, there's some stats at the very end of this article, and it claims 47% of the people were undertrained. So to me, that makes the, the case, right? Like people just don't train hard enough. And I get like, people are gonna take this the wrong way. And I'm saying, well, you're not training hard at all. But I'm saying training for your event. And if you're training for, in this case, a marathon, there's a kind of a baseline level where you really should be at to be your most successful. And most people just aren't at that case. So to me, it makes the case for HMM, right? Hans's Marathon Method, it's, it's not, a, it's not a just go out and run 40 miles a week with 20 miles of it coming from your long run. It's not that, right? And then just taking basically the next six days and recovering from that 20 miler. It's a step up between uh, common low mileage, high long run compared to, and that's gonna allow you to survive the marathon, but it's not an 80 plus mile a week plan either where you're somebody's trying to run, you know, 230 in the marathon. It's a moderate mileage plan with a lot of easy running and hard workouts. And so after reading that and then reading that 47% of the people were undertrained, it just was like, no kidding why people aren't running as fast as they could, right? And, and I get, and again, I get like, uh, a lot of people don't care, right? They just wanna do their thing and go out and run the marathon, which is 100%, that's great. I'm not, uh, there's no judgment on this end, but if you're reading this thinking like, man, I'm a 335 to 345 marathoner, how do I get to, there's no way I'll run faster than that, right? HMM is that plan that's going to do that for you because this is basically showing you, this data is showing that if you just go out and run, you run some easy stuff and you run some hard stuff and your mileage is uh, consistent, you're going to be, you're going to just be able to go out and run, you know, a 345 to four hour marathon. 
But if we teach you how to train, teach you how to structure the workouts, then we can get you to 315 to 330. I, I cannot tell you how many people have done that. You know, and I'll use my wife as, as a perfect example. Before we met, she trained with a, a, a young lady and you know they they basically train three to five days a week every day they ran pretty hard there was no reason or rhyme to what they were doing they were just thinking that if i run hard every day i'm going to get in the best shape i can and then obviously she met me and she (laughs) had a rude awakening as how to what i think she should be doing but you know to her credit she embraced that and she runs five to six days a week now and her mileage is more and in her 40s she went from a 345 marathoner as a mid 30s late 30s person to running 325 at 43 years old off of you know 50 miles a week and just better structured training and you know that was after having a kid and being married and all that and and uh so you can do that right and i I, you know now honestly i think she's had some injuries from from some other things, but I think she could be that three sub three twenty runner, you know. Uh, but the point is, like, learning how to structure training and not just saying, "Well, if I go out and run hard all the time, that's going to get me more fit." It's going to take you to a point, but ultimately, going back to that house example, you know, if you go hard, hard, hard all the time, then you're limited, right? Because all you're working is the top end of things. But if you're working the bottom end, the foundation ends of things, you make that foundation much bigger. You can put that bigger house on there. I mean, you can put, instead of having a seven foot wall, you could have a 10 foot wall, right? So you just give your, you push that ceiling up more and more, the bigger that foundation is. And that's, and, and that's ultimately my, a lot of part, a lot of what I take away from this is learning how to balance that, right? So there's a time to run easy. There's a time to run hard. And if you do those things, you're able to be more consistent. You're going to be able to focus on the long term, and then you're going to be you're able to be more successful, right? So, um, so in general, I agree with a lot of these things, but I think at the end of the day, you have to just kind of take it for what it is and recognize that it was basically looking at uh, one group of people who were air quotes successful but successful in what? Like, did they ultimately even reach their goal? Did they even, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of questions I still have from this, but I do think that there's some things you can take away from here. So um, I think the idea of being able to run more and balancing your days and then focusing on weeks and months instead of just days, uh, one day missed isn't gonna make, isn't gonna break your season. One killer workout isn't gonna make your season. And so I think we have to just learn how to take that big approach, learn how to um, incorporate all the components that we need in order to be successful. But if we can do that, ultimately you're going to be able to run much, much faster than what you may have originally thought you could. And that's, you know, that's my big goal as a coach is I want to see people like when I was looking at when I was doing that data for for the books and I was looking at uh, running USA they, they collect all those stats and seeing that like the average marathon time is close to four hours it might even be over four hours by now but why can't we get it back why can't we reverse that trend 
and I think we can, but we unfortunately we're combating a lot of, oh, if you just run three days a week or you just focus on this or focus on that, you're going to be fine. And the truth of the matter is, yes, you'll be able to survive and run the marathon, but it's going to be your best marathon. And that's where I want to see people. I want to see people run their best marathon. And so um, I think this is a good starting point to that because you can start to start to see where it's more a balance of things, right? And then learning how to structure those things. So, um, so that was my big takeaway. I think there were some good points in there, but I, at the end of the day, I'm still left with a lot of questions, just like with that Strava data. But again, you're taking a lot of data from thousands of people and you're putting it, trying to put it into a nice, neat package. And sometimes that just doesn't work. But um, in any case, uh, if you are more interested in, in us, go to LukeHumphreyRunning.com. Uh, if you have not read any of the Hanson's Marathon Method books, I uh, encourage you to do so. You can purchase them from me at LukeHumphreyRunning.com. Of course, you can find them on Amazon, Velo Press, every other book retailer known to mankind. Uh, it's on a lot of them, Barnes & Noble, all of them. But um, ebook and audio versions are available as well, at least for the marathon edition. So um, I appreciate if you check that out if you haven't already. And uh, anyway, that's my take on the, on the big data. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. All right, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Luke Humphrey Running Podcast with your host, Luke Humphrey. If you like our show and want to learn more, please visit us at www.lukehumphreyrunning.com for blogs, podcasts, coaching, and training options. See you next time.